Lord, we thank you that you came to this earth greatest miracle of all. You came out of heaven down to this earth. You took on flesh, humanity, with all its weaknesses. Your word says you've been tempted at all things. yet without sin. I praise you, Lord, today that you're going to speak to us through your word. You're going to rekindle in our hearts a flame that we will have a hope for the future. That's your, that's how you work. So we give to you this moment your word would come alive in our hearts. Amen. It's hard to imagine our what it would have been like to have been in Mary's shoes at the announcement of the coming of the Lord. Unbelievable. We'll call this message a Christmas miracle. It really is a miracle that the Lord came down. And he's still the greatest missionary that ever lived, Jesus, because he, he understands. He knows what you feel like. He knows when you're, he knows all about what you're going through. He understands your thoughts from afar off. He, he's there when, you're, when things are concerning you, things are bothering you, things are weighing you down. He's there to be your shepherd. He's there to be your partner. He's there to be your Lord. And so as Mary was doing life, a young lady, virgin, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, is the most descriptive of the Christmas story, most detailed of all of the other Gospels. So I've chosen chapter 1, beginning of verse 26. It was in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel. Gabriel's always been the announcing angel. Michael is another angel. He's a warring angel. Now Gabriel's always the, the angel that is going to give announcement, or he's the one who sounds the, the, the trumpet. Virgin, verse 27, a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Number one today, the Lord is with you. When you choose him, the Lord is with you. When you trust in the Lord, the Lord is with you. When you pray to him, when you ask the Lord for wisdom and understanding, the Lord is with you. 
God is pleased with Mary because he was a vessel in which she could be demonstrating the humility and the, and the wonderful favor of the Lord. When we think about favor of God, I, I want the favor of the Lord on my life. What is that? It really has to do with the grace of God. It's something we really can't work for it, really don't earn it. The favor of God is it's it's his initiative to move toward us and us to respond to him. And so when she heard these words, the Lord is with you, hail favored one. I think she's taken back for who? Me? Little old me? What do I have? And she was greatly troubled, verse 29, at this statement. Mary was a thinker. I picture her as a quiet person, her personality. And it's okay to be quiet, right? They told me that was so quiet when I was growing up that they, you know, they wouldn't know I was there. They had a hard time hearing me. People still have a hard time hearing me. Personality-wise, my voice is not that loud. But God uses quiet things. Mary is, is, is pictured here thinking about what she had just heard. The Lord is with me. I found favor. An angel goes on to say to her, don't be afraid. So she, God always knows when we're afraid. God always has a word for us when we're afraid. He often says, don't be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled, right? What, what is it about fear? We all struggle sometimes with fears. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? Now, Mary is really confused. At this point, she's wondering, she's thinking in the natural. How is this supposed to happen? I'm a bird. This, this, is, this can't happen. This, this, this is beyond her. And now the angel explains, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with them. I'm going to talk about, first of all, the Lord is with us. How many know the Lord has been with you over the last year? How many know that the Lord is going to be with you this next coming year? 
And when you believe that, when you believe in that, such it takes a lot of the pressure off of all the questions that you may have and all the anxiety that might well up within you. If the Lord is going to be with you, he's going to be okay. It's when I start to think in my own self, how am I going to get all my work done on the syllabus? As I remember back in college in my days, I barely got through high school, let alone college. So when the syllabus came out, I said, what in the world, how am I going to finish all this stuff? How am I going to do all this work? I was like, oh, okay, one thing at a time. How many have had a lot of things happen, sometimes breakdowns, sometimes health issues, sometimes it just escalates and escalates and escalates, and you wonder how you're going to, how you're going to hold up, right? You wonder how you're going to make it through. The Lord is with you. If the Lord is with you, then we can rest in the Lord. We can have strength because the Lord is with you. The Lord is going to give you what you have need of when the time comes. So often we, I try to think, well, I'm going to formulize, I'm going to strategize, I'm going to try to plan and try to work, kind of take things in my own hands and work things out. But ultimately, that's okay. It's okay to plan and have a strategy. But ultimately, we said, but, but thus, if the Lord wills, as James said it so often, we're going to engage in a, in a make a profit and go to a city. We can have all these plans, but what if something happens that you did not expect? So Mary is going, going along, minding her own business, engaged to a man named Joseph, and all of a sudden we get this announcement. God messes, is God messing with her? Is God messing with you at some time? God doesn't, doesn't do things just to mess with us. God orders, orders, orchestrates. He, he has a purpose. He has all things working together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We find favor when we, we have people. We find favor with God when we simply believe. God, you are who you said you are. I'm believing that in spite of what I may be feeling right now, I'm still choosing to believe that you are going to be with me, that you are going to give me that which I have need of at the moment. We rest in that. How would you like to have been some of the folks who were following Moses through the experience of leaving Egypt, leaving what you only knew um, this is, I kind of relate this to going to a different community, um, moving from Aiken to Minneapolis when I went to college was culture shock for me. I had to adjust, but I learned to adapt and get along and make it. Then coming back, and our first church was in Palisade, and that was a kind of an off the, the beaten path, so to speak, and, uh, and didn't want to go there at first, but the Lord dealt with me and so Ended up loving the place, loving the, the, the place of ministry there. God orchestrates, sees things ahead of time. Sometimes he has to deal with us to get us ready for the next stage. And so God is making the announcement. He's, he's preparing Mary to carry the child that is God. And she's pondering this. She's trying to process thing all out, and she's troubled, and she's even afraid. But somewhere along the line here, we don't necessarily see it 
right there in Scripture, although she came come to peace with it, and she come to accept that what God was doing was for her and for the people of the whole earth. And she becomes the vessel. So the children of Israel had their moments when they were following Moses, and Moses speaks to them of Deuteronomy 31, 6, saying this, be strong and courageous. They were starting to see that there's enemies, that they were going to be going into battles. Now, we've never done this before. And they were afraid. But Moses wrote, as we read today, well, the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. And another account that comes to mind with Moses was asking the Lord. He was petitioning before the Lord. There had been disobedience in the camp. They raised up a calf. They, they began to worship an idol, a golden calf, and said, this is our God, because Moses disappeared for a while. And Moses got angry, right? Moses, the first time he went to get the commandments, took 40 days. He threw those tablets. You know what happened, right? They shattered. Consequences were this. Now you got to go back. You you, you go back and do it over again. And so Moses was upset, but he humbled himself before the Lord, and God was able to use Moses and his leadership to point the people back to the Lord and to get on the right track and to follow after him. How many know that sometimes you can't put your finger on it, but there's sometimes you feel like there's an enemy that is out to pull you down. We call that spiritual battle. We call that what the Bible talks about, that there is the unseen world, the demonic forces that come against the people of God. And so, for example, one of my Old Testament favorite stories of a man named Elisha, who had a walk with God, he had a faith in his God, he was being led by God, and one day there was this this setting where there was this whole, the horizon was full of the enemy surrounding Elisha. And the attendant to Elijah says, look, look at all the people that are coming against us. He was afraid. And then Elijah turns to, to him and says, do not fear, for 2 Kings 6, 6, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Let, let me think, of, think about that for a moment. Well, who, are, who are them and who are those who are with us? God has more holy angels than the devil has of fallen angels. The devil took a third, so God has more, two-thirds. And so God opened the eyes of the attendant of Elisha. And Elisha prayed, go Lord, open his eyes, and sure enough, he could see. Oh, may our prayers be the same. Oh Lord, 
open my eyes that I might see your, your hands, that I might see what is your purpose in this next battle that I've lost. What is your purpose in this next trial? But this series, life is a series of seasons, of ups and downs. God is forming in us the faith that he desires. God is forming and building in us that, that persevering spirit, that spirit that doesn't just, the spirit that says, yes, Lord, even though I don't understand it, yes, Lord, even though I don't know how this is all going to come out, all this is all going to take place, I'm going to trust you because you are with me. And so all of a sudden it shifts to what is impossible in the physical, in the natural, all of a sudden it becomes possible in the spirit. And Jesus, and the Lord says in verse 37, the angel was speaking here in verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. How I love that verse. Nothing is impossible but God, with God. You get a bad report. You get a bad report. And you may be the doctor, you get a bad report. We need to hear and be reminded nothing is impossible with God. And so we cling to his word, this wonderful word of the Lord that gives us the faith. 1 Corinthians 2.14 describes that there will be like a natural man does not accept the thing. What's a natural man? That the natural man, is he's, he's not yet received Christ. He doesn't, does not yet have the spirit of God. So he's thinking in his natural, in his natural state. And so the natural thing, natural does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. People that don't see what's the reason to give toward a missionary, that seems like foolishness. When you have the Spirit of the Lord, you start to, your eyes are open to see there's, there's a need, there's a legitimate need, right? And so, why would people leave the comfort zone of Cross Lake and go to Alaska like Anna's or the Lord's help is going to do here next summer? Is it this spring? And so, that's just an example. Why would the Lord leave heaven to come down to this earth? Because he's looking past himself. He sees the need that Unless I come. There's one portion of scripture in Philippians that talks about he humbled himself. He didn't come when it was going to be an easy ride. He came into an environment that was hostile. He was under the Roman Empire ruling. And crucifixion was, was normality. And he came during that time. God loves us beyond our understanding. God loves those beyond our natural. God's reaching out and compassion goes beyond. Then people would say, you need to live for yourself. Yeah, to a certain extent, we need to stand up for us. Yeah, to a certain extent. But over and over again, you see in Scripture, do not think of yourself more highly than others. So Jesus not only talked about what we ought to do or be. He demonstrates to us 
what it is, what it's like to live crucified. Live with the thinking, even though they kill me, I'm going to rise again. Even though it may cost me some pain, I'm going to come out on the top. Even though it may not be good, I still win because Jesus is before me. Nothing is impossible. Now to him, Ephesians 3.20, we're looking at one of Paul's letters. He's encouraging the people of Ephesus. God is not shorthanded when it comes to ability. God does not have limitations like we have, but rather he is over the top. He, to him who is able, I think of one experience when Jesus was asked, if, if you can, can you come and heal this certain individual? If you can, and Jesus goes, if I can, is like, whoa, if I can. Jesus is totally able to go all over the top beyond what we can even think or comprehend. He's so far past us, yet he chooses to bring things down to our level so that we can understand them and bring us to another level with him and another level and another level. And it will never end because he is everlasting and nothing is impossible. What in the world was Jesus talking about when you remember the rich man and he had so much and Jesus challenged this rich man in the New Testament. You know, you need to give, sell, your, sell everything and give, give, to your, give to the poor and follow me. And, and this rich man had a hard time with that. He, he couldn't quite settle that in his heart. And Jesus said these words, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. Now, the, the problem was not his riches. The problem was the heart that was set on the riches. And so Jesus says this unbelievable saying, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. It's actually easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, whoa. And one reference, I read something that fact that, you know, I used to think it was a thread of a needle, and you, you, that was what he was talking about, it was actually a, a, a formation of a rock that was small in, in, their, in their setting, in, their, in, their, in, the, in the surroundings of, of Jerusalem. So he was referring, still hard to put a camel through something very small like that, isn't it? Difficult, unbelievable. Then he wraps it up and says, but with God, all things are possible. You see, when your back is against the wall and it's impossible, get ready because that's when God wants to do a miracle. When we come to a point where we can do no more, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. And now we have to trust. Now we have to say, Lord, into your hands. And so the mindset begins to 
switch into not what I can do, but what God can do. How many know what God can do far more than I could ever do in a lifetime? He can do in a, in a second. He can speak things into existence. He can provide a way where we thought there was no way. He can protect us when we had, we, we can't, we look back and we see, how did we live through that? God is up to things. God is showing himself. God wants, God wants people to look to him. God has come into this life. He did not come. His first coming was not in all ramped. It was not nothing ramped up at all. Humble, absolute humility all the way. And you know the story. There, there was the place was full. There was no place to to, to have a, a good night's rest, there was, the place was full. As they went to register in their own city of Bethlehem, God provided a place. And sometimes God's provision for us may be humble, humbling. And so they learn. And so I heard the stories about my own mom and dad when they started out when they were first married. You know, I wasn't around to know. Uh-huh. Anyway, they said they lived in a chicken coop. They literally fixed an old chicken coop. With a, they worked on a farm north of Aiken. And so Linda maybe knows more about the story than I did, but they lived, you were around there then even. That they li- they were they lived in a chicken coop. I don't know how many young people are starting out today in those kind of humble beginnings, but I have to admire what what it was in their heart is that they had a place. They had some place to start, and so I think back, and and you know they moved they moved a couple times. You know after I came along, they had one house before I came along and by Aiken, and that burned down. And then they had to move again. And then that was in seventh grade, they had to move again. That, that was it. That was their, except when they moved closer to, to family when they got older. But they, they lived with, with the, the, the sense that God is with us. So it didn't matter if it's a humble little place. We'll start. And was God starts with you and I right where we're at, right with the understanding that maybe we don't even have a clue what God's wanting to do with us. And Mary was like just doing life, going along. She had it in her mind she was going to get married, and you know this she was engaged. She, was, she probably had this all kind of figured out, and all of a sudden God messes with her. But it changed her life forever. And you see this same Mary weeping after the crucifixion, looking at her son, weeping. Had she yet come to really understand, I think she was coming to process yet even more. Did she really understand when she had this 
God-child in her arms, and she really fully comprehended. I don't think she could really fully comprehend it. And probably never fully comprehended it until she was in heaven and understood the fullness. And so what I'm saying to you and I, God is with you. God has a plan for your future. God has a purpose now as you're on this earth. God has a purpose. Go for it. Go for it. Go for the dreams that he puts in your heart. Go for the things that God is opening the doors. God giving you favor. God gives you the grace to do what you can do all along, realizing without God, it would be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Thirdly, the humility that comes out from the verses, verse 52 especially. But I'm going to begin to read 39 through 52, kind of catches up the speed. Now at this time, Mary rose, went with haste to the hill country, to a city of Judah, entered the house of Zacharias. because She's excited. She has something that she has, she has, she has news. And excited, Zacharias is, is, is a relative. Elizabeth is a cousin. It came about that when Elizabeth had heard Mary's re- re- greeting, the baby leaped. Mary, Elizabeth is the child. The baby is John the Baptist, leaps in her womb. God is doing more beyond than what we can see here. John the Baptist was merely the forerunner of Christ. We know that John the Baptist was powerful. He was a man of God. But he stepped aside because he says, Behold the Lamb of God. Remember that he was baptizing. This is just a preview of what is to come. He cried out, verse 42, a loud voice said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me? Notice this, that the mother of my Lord. Look at this, look at this process of thinking. She always, she's already understanding that the baby that's going to be born, that's my Lord. And behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And she's commending Mary now because Mary did believe. And Mary says, my soul exalts. And you have several scriptures. She's quoting right from the Psalms. She's quoting from the Old Testament. And I'll skip down to verse 52. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. God is in charge. There's, there it is again. God is in charge in the world. He has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. The, the point is this. God knows how to crack an egg. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, I could say it this way. God knows how to crack a nut. Some nuts are harder to crack than others. When Nebuchadnezzar, we've been learning about Daniel, the, the, the word from Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar 
got so puffed up, so full of pride. God had enough. This is, this is just downright sickening. Nebuchadnezzar is this, he's got this great big Babylonian kingdom. He's flaunting himself because look what I've done. And then all of a sudden, God came to him and said, well, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to have a heart. You're going to have a, you're going to eat grass. And he did. Seven seasons, right? I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd change my attitude. I would have, I don't know, wait a minute, Lord, I would have I tried to reason with God. I would have tried to say, you know, I'll, I'll change. But no, you've done enough. You, you're you're going to be humble. And so there, there it was. And he came back out of it a different person recognizing that there's only one, at least recognizing the true God. See, friends, all really very simple. It's a very simple message that humility is what God is looking for in everyone. Humility is that, is that which is, creates the setting that gets rid of selfishness self-centeredness, humility that puts aside your will and says, Lord, your will, not my will, but Lord, your will. Lord, even though it doesn't make sense to me that I'm going to have this child, Mary chooses to believe that what the angel has said, she's so excited, she gets with her cousin and she stays there for a period, I think it was three months, and, and they fellowship and no, no, wasn't a day that didn't go by that they were excited about the future. And so the church of Jesus Christ ought to be excited because when he came the first time, he came with humility. But when he comes the second time, he's going to come with his angels in triumph. And he's going to come to judge and he's coming to give his reward to those who served him. And then also at the same time, he's going to judge the earth. So the humble, the humility right now is that which the Lord is looking for, a heart as his eyes move toward, to and throughout the whole earth. He's looking for a heart in whom he can fill. And when there's humility, thus pride is less apt to grow. And there's room for the things of God in our life. And the realization is this. May it be done according to your word. Backing up in the text. So her, Mary's attitude shifts to, Lord, even though I don't understand it, even though I'm scared, this is unfamiliar, so be it. Trust in the Lord. Paul's letter wrote, he wrote to the Corinthians. These are the guys who argued about who I was saved under. I got, I got saved under Apollos. Paul goes, it, it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter who you got, where you got saved, how you got saved. You got saved. You received Christ. Bottom line is this. Christ is adding to the church. Christ said, I will build my church. It's no place for one man to do it all. It's the body of Christ. It's every one of you working in your, maybe in your humble little abode, even if it's a chicken coop. We can still glorify God. Even though it don't smell so good. Wherever it may be, some, some people do servant, unbelievably servants' jobs because of the humility, because of the compassion. And so we have this treasure, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, you're, you're not the message. You're the vessel. You're the earth and clay and vessel. You're subject to be broken. You're subject to be hurt. That the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. So, over the last Sunday, the Sunday before us, talked about it's not about us. And I find the more I can just realize it's his, it's his church, it's his, it's his future, whatever he desires, as long as I'm looking to him, I can rest. I don't have to try to figure it all out. So Lord, it's in your hands. May the Lord be near you. May the Lord give you faith, even when it's impossible in your natural thinking. May the Lord have the favor to help you put one step, one foot in front of the other, one challenge at a time, one thing at a time. Let's sing that. Then we're going to pray.